Well, amen. Thank you, Pastor Greg. Well, dear friends, that has to be the most memorable invitation to the marriage conference I've ever heard. Amen? Uh, thank you, brother. Thanks for preaching that to us. I want to just encourage you, just as a follow-up, um, pastorally, I believe this is one of the best things that you could possibly do for your relationship as husband and wife. I, I just want to call you all to it. I know the guy who's coming. He's a dear friend. He's going to share what real marriage looks like, the problems, the ups, the downs, and he's coming real, and you need to hear the story. It's a wild story of God's grace. If you are not, let me exert all pastoral authority and, and leverage that I could possibly give. This Friday night, you need to be here. In fact, if that's not enough to get you, I know that Kyle is cooking his famous steaks, and so you'll need to be here for a good steak dinner, but it's going to be a great time this Friday night. And so please, please sign up today. Let us know that you're coming. That's going to be a great time. Well, let's take our Bibles. Let's open to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to have a very brief sermon. Some of you just, I just lost you. You don't believe a word that I'm saying now. It's a very brief sermon because we're going to get straight into eight baptisms. But I'll tell you, I've had a few baptism experiences that were a little, a little different. In fact, we had one uh, beach baptism at Doheny State Beach, and we went down there, me and my friend, Pastor Matt, he was another pastor on staff. I went out into the waters of baptism with him, and I was helping him baptize one of his students, uh, I think a fourth grader or something like that. And, and he was, got to the, the point where he said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And right as, as he lowered this young lady into the waters, the tide just, just swept out as far as you could see, and we looked down at this young lady. She, I kid you not, she looked at, up at us from the sand. She was like looking up, laying on the sand. And it was in that moment that I, I thought about it. I didn't say it, but I thought about saying, the Lord said no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't say it, I promise. But I thought it. Um, that's a true story. That, that happened. And um, we just ended up taking her out a little further and uh, went a little bit further out from the tide, got her baptized. But that was a great moment, uh, memorable. There was another, I mean, there's lots of odd moments that happened with baptism. Uh, one not so glorious moment happened at a previous church. I had this, uh, a family, and it was a, a group of them, several generations, and one of, one of the men served as a, a deacon in, in the church. And he came up to me, and he just wanted to let me know that his family didn't really embrace baptism, didn't really believe in baptism, and actually was refusing uh, to express baptism, express their faith in baptism. Just, I, I, I couldn't comprehend that. That was just so foreign from my worldview. I mean, uh, I tried to explore it, and I said, what's, what's the deal? Is it embarrassment? Is it difficulty? I mean, I get that. I mean, it's hard to be in front of this many, this many people. That's it's a hard moment. It could be embarrassing. Well, let, let's go to a backyard. Let's do it at a pool. Let's, let's video it. We can record the testimony so that you can have it recorded. And we can ask you, I mean, we can make it to where you can step forward and, and express your faith in baptism. We can, we can work with you. And the guy said, no, we just, we, just, we know it's not part of salvation. Um, so like the thief on the cross, why do it? We just don't want to do it. And it was so cold and so hardened, I, I just felt so grieved. I, I just sat here with my son, and as Greg was talking, I leaned over to him, and I just said, oh, son, do you remember? You remember it was a year ago, last year, you professed your faith in Jesus Christ. And I just, just felt myself getting emotional, like that was, that was a sweet moment. 
Um, it's a dream for a father. And I think there's a lot of people in the church missing that, missing that deep love and deep appreciation for what we're about to experience. There's a lot of confusion in the church. When we think about baptism, man, there's a lot of confusion. There's some people who think that baptism is actually, water baptism is the thing that saves you, and they believe in something called baptismal regeneration. And of course, we don't believe that here. We, we certainly do not believe that, that there's anything mystical going on up here on the stage. This is just plain water. Uh, no one prayed over it before the service. This is just plain, simple. It's just water. It's just water. We certainly don't believe that there's anything um, grace-giving in the dunking of someone into water, right? That's not a, a salvific grace-giving moment. That's not what that is. There's other people who believe that, that you ought to do this as soon as a, a person is born. They believe that there's a grace that's imparted. We certainly don't embrace that here at Central Church. Um, that's, we don't see that in the Bible. We try to hold to a very strict, very biblical definition of what baptism is. Another ditch people fall into is, is the one I've described already, seeing baptism as, here it is, optional. Oh, the thief on the cross, he wasn't baptized. Dear friends, as much as I loved that Easter video that I showed you, how many of you remember that last week? The, the Alistair Begg clip? Wasn't that a great clip? I mean, just the simplicity of the gospel. Let's be careful not to build our practice or our theology based on the thief on the cross. Amen? Like, that's not normative. And certainly, baptism, uh, water baptism does not save you, but the thief on the cross is not a normative expression of what it looks like that saved people walk in. So this morning, what I want to do briefly is, is just clear up three very simple questions. You have a handout there before you. Let's fill it out together. Would you stand in honor of God's Word? The Reformers said that every real church had the ministry of the Word, had a ministry of the, the sacraments or the ordinances. Um, and I certainly embrace that. There are two ordinances in the church we routinely practice. That's the Lord's table, and that's baptism. Both of them are preaching ordinances. They preach the gospel to our hearts. We receive them with a ton of joy. And so today, our verse today, just for a springboard, is Matthew 28, verse 19. It says this, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.'" Dear friends, this is the commission that the Lord Jesus Christ gave His disciples, and by extension, He gives that commission to us, and we need to understand what it means. So, may God bless the, re the reading and the preaching of His Word. You may be seated. Let's answer three questions, then we're going to baptize eight individuals. Three questions. First of all, why be baptized? Why should all believers step forward in baptism? Now, I want to talk to some of you in the room that maybe you've never followed the Lord in obedience in this area. This is for you. And for the rest of you, it's convictional. Let's all share this conviction. First of all, Jesus commanded it. Write it down. Jesus commanded it. It's the verse we just finished reading. For New Testament ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself has commanded that we go into all the world preaching the gospel, declaring the good news, and baptizing. Well, if Jesus commanded it, He is our new Lord. He is our master. We ought to walk in it. Amen? We have a Lord. We have a master. Therefore, if He thinks this is important, we better treat it with a high priority as we practice this church uh, gathering. Number two, he modeled it. If anyone 
could have said, you know what, baptism's not for me. I think it would have been Jesus Christ. And yet, Jesus himself goes to John the Baptist in Mark chapter 1 verse 9, and uh, he comes and he says he's, he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And uh, if anybody could have skipped it, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus was obedient, and he did everything that the Father called him to do. He did it fully. He did it perfectly. And the Lord Jesus Christ was obedient to the Father. And he calls us to follow in his example. You remember what John said? John was basically like, Lord, I, I need to be baptized by you. What are we doing here? And, uh, and yet Jesus, at that great moment, was baptized. And you remember the voice came from heaven affirming him, and the dove descended on him. That was a moment that we were to follow in, the obedience of baptism. Not only did Jesus command it and model it, uh, there's something quite revealing about baptism. Baptism is this act that reveals a spiritual reality. We're going to talk more about that. But in Acts 18, uh, we see the story of Crispus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. He believed in the Lord together with his whole household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed. What's the evidence of their belief? What's the evidence of their faith? And they were baptized. This is the expression of true faith. It's, it's baptism. It's a visible expression that reveals that an inward reality has changed. It was true for Crispus. It was true for his household. We see that all over the book of Acts, all over the New Testament. So, why be baptized? For those reasons. This is something we value. Number two, a second question, can baptism save you? This may be the most important question of the day. Can baptism give God's grace to cover any sins in your life? Is it saving? That's an important question. And I hope I've trained you at this moment to ask the follow-up question, which baptism? Which baptism? Like, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about water baptism? Because if we're talking about water baptism, the answer is a resounding no. If you go to a church that says that water baptism gives grace to somebody's life, it makes God like you, accept you. Um, you need to, to run, not walk away from that church. That church is believing in a works-based religion. We don't believe in that. We don't believe in works-based salvation. Baptism is a, a work. Water baptism is a work. But if by that you mean baptized into Christ, then yeah. See, the Bible talks about baptism in a couple of ways, and what we believe in is someone being baptized into Christ. What do you mean by that, Pastor Matt? Well, let me see if I can explain it. In Romans chapter 8, we saw it two Sundays ago. Remember verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? What is that referring to? It means that you have been placed in union with Christ you are in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? This may be the most important part of the whole sermon today, and we're almost done even. But there's all of these beliefs, and there's all of these people who believe that the act of going down into the water is the thing that makes God like you. That's not it. It's being placed into Christ. It's our spiritual union with Christ. Let me show you a couple of examples of this. Over in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 is a beautiful picture. I could give a whole sermon on this one verse. It's beautiful. In the days of Noah, who remembers Noah? He built a what? 
He built a what? An ark. He built an ark, right? Uh, it says here, while the ark was being prepared, in which, in which the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, Noah, his sons, their family, were brought safely through the water. All right, what's, what's, what's this talking about? Remember that moment? All of humanity all over the face of the earth is evil. God says we're going to wash the slate clean. The flood waters of His wrath cover the whole earth, but not Noah. Noah is placed into the ark. That's what that word baptism means. It means to be placed into, right? It means to dip or to be placed into. That's baptizo in the Greek. That's what the word means, to dip. And we're going to dip today. We're going to dip some people in the water or to be placed into. That's the picture. So he says this, and he says, Noah, in his days, there was an ark, and they were, they were put into this ark, and they were brought safely through the floodwaters of God's wrath. Are you with me? All right. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal, removal of dirt from the body. This isn't like a washing, like a, you're washing all the sins in your life clean. That's not what this is but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All who were in the ark were safe from the floodwaters of God's wrath. All who are in Jesus, believing into Jesus, in union, spiritual union with Jesus, trusting in Jesus, looking away from their own works, but believing in Jesus Christ, all who are found in Jesus are safe from the wrath, the just wrath that man deserves. That's the gospel, friends. That's the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. So what kind of water… Or what kind of baptism saves? Is it water baptism? No. That's a resounding no. This act that we're doing today, a resounding no. But if we're talking about being in Christ, believing into the Lord Jesus Christ, being baptized into Christ, His righteousness, His death, His work, His burial, His resurrection, placing all our hope in Him, on Christ alone, our solid rock I stand. If that's the kind of baptism we're talking about, then yes and amen. That, dear friends, is the baptism of salvation, that you're placed in Christ. It's our union with Christ. How do we celebrate its meaning? Final question, and we're going we're gonna to baptize these eight individuals. Well, first of all, we need to worship over the gospel realities that we're seeing here today. And this is true for not only the candidates in the room, uh, but also for all of us. Today's a worship service. We are worshiping over the gospel realities. When we put these candidates down into, into the water, they are being buried and raised to new life. There's an imagery there that we're to worship because those are spiritual realities that have happened. Colossians 2.12 says, for when you were baptized, you were buried with Christ, and in baptism you were also raised with Christ. Beloved, this is a day that, that you and I are to rejoice and worship in those realities that we see pictured in this passage. Second, there's a response of commitment, and I would even say recommitment. You need to commit to the new birth realities. As we witness this together, let's all be reminded that God has called us to a new life. These candidates are going down into the water, and they're coming up, and that's a picture of new life, the dead being raised to life. If you're a Christian… You're a new creation. Have you ever been told that? Like, like you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, giving you a new heart, new desires, new passions. You're a new creation. In fact, it says over in 2 Corinthians 5, if you're in Christ, the old has passed away. Behold, the, the new has come. And 
friends, I would embrace that today. I would call you all to commit and recommit. Are you walking in sin this, way, this week? Are you walking in darkness last week? You're a new creation. God's called you to walk out of that life. It's a lifestyle of repentance. It's a lifestyle of confession. It's a lifestyle of life. And so embrace that. Commit. Watch them commit. And you recommit today knowing that God's called you to life. The last one, the last one is to confess our allegiance. Now, that word allegiance and the allegiance realities there, that is so powerful. You see, whenever I read the book of Acts, every time I see baptism, what I see is an entrance into the church every single time. Um, John Piper gives this great quote. I want to put it up on the screen. This is glorious. How many of you are familiar with the altar calls? We do those here every once in a while. You'll see me do an altar call every once in a while, and at certain events, I'll just ask, is, does anyone here want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And we'll talk about that, and I think there's some good in that, and I think there's a place for that. Piper says this, though, and it's a glorious statement. Look what he says. He says, most American evangelicals are familiar with what Billy Graham does at the end of his preaching, calling people to walk to the front. Sometimes those are called invitations. Sometimes altar calls. Uh, when you look for something like this in the Bible, there's no clear example. If you ask for that decisive, listen to this, this, that decisive public way of taking a Christian stand, what that was in the New Testament, the answer is it's baptism. It's baptism. How do you go public as a Christian? How do you, how do you express your faith publicly, definitively, as a believer in Jesus Christ? It's not as simple as walking down the aisle and I know that there are people who have done that. I have done that. There are many people who have done that. But what is the moment of true, declarative Christianity? Well, in the New Testament, what we see in the book of Acts is that it's always an allegiance or an entry into the church. Acts 2.41, that day of Pentecost. You remember Peter's first sermon. You remember this, right? Boy, it was a doozy. You think I preach hard sermons. Peter's first sermon went something like this. God sent a Messiah. His name was Jesus. You killed him. Altar call? Uh, he called them to basically believe the gospel, and they said the question, what shall we do? We killed our Savior. We killed the Messiah that we've been waiting on. <laughs> what do we do now? And 3,000 believed in Jesus. It says that they accepted His message. And what's the evidence of their acceptance of that message? Baptism. They accepted His message and were baptized. That's the mark. That's the response. And so today we are celebrating that over in Acts. I mean, we see it throughout the book of Acts. Acts 10. You remember the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit, and they're asked this question, as they become Christians, can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people? Right? Like they've just received the Holy Spirit. We've got to accept them into the church. We, we have to receive them. It's this pledge of allegiance. It is this mark of authentic Christianity. So, friends, we value this. My former pastor was Philip de Courcy in Anaheim, and he was a soldier in the Irish loyalist uh, party during the troubles of Northern Ireland. You probably, you who are a little bit older, you may remember this. There was a, um, a civil war that broke out in Northern Ireland, and they called it uh, the Troubles. 
Um, it was a military campaign. There was, there was sort of this, this, this division in the country. Some of them, the loyalists, they wanted to remain loyal to the throne, to, to the monarchy, to the United Kingdom. The other group, um, the Irish uh, Republican Guard or Army, they, they wanted to separate. They wanted to come out. And that group that wanted to separate, they were practicing guerrilla warfare. They would, they, would snipe, they would snipe the loyalists. They would shoot them from a distance. They would plant car bombs underneath their car. And Philip, when he became a police officer in the loyalist party, he put on a uniform. And he pulled out a hat. And he pulled out this hat. And he used to tell us about this hat. And on the, on the front of this hat, there was a symbol. There was an Irish harp. But right above the harp was a, was a crown. And what that was saying is that we pledge allegiance to the king. We pledge allegiance to serve and be loyal to the king or the queen, I suppose. That's who it would, who it would be at that time and today. He said, whenever we put on that uniform, whenever we put on that hat, we took our lives into our hands. We knew that we could be car bombed. We knew that our homes could be destroyed. We knew that, that people could attack us, kill us, destroy us. But it was that decisive moment, this is our allegiance. Dear friends, that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing the very pledge of allegiance of some young people, some older people, some adults, some young adults. And all day long, we're celebrating that God saves, not through water, but through Christ, being placed into Christ.